The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. I'm honored to be able to share with you this morning as uh, we're kicking off this this new series called Reset Button, and if you're anything like me, I think we all need to hear what we're about to hear this morning about how we can reset our lives through Jesus and God, how we can have this new life in God. And the way that we do our teaching around here is we kind of do it in chunks. We pick a topic or a book or a series, talk about it for a few weeks or maybe a few months, maybe a year, that one series that we had a long time ago, uh, maybe until we run out of stuff to say about it. And so that's where you're at today. This is the first week of a Reset Button series, so it's a great Sunday to be with us here at Canyon Ridge. You're coming in on the ground floor as we're looking at something that the Bible talks a lot about, and maybe you hear about a lot in the church circles. It's what new life in God looks like. So I'm excited about that, how we can actually reset our lives and begin to live that new life today, no matter where you're at, no matter however you came into the room this morning. And so that's the great thing about however you came in. Like as Andrew said, this might be your second week. You were here Easter Sunday, last Sunday, and you heard an awesome talk from Matt. You decided to come back, give us another shot. And so if you're there just exploring faith, you're really early in your journey, or you've been at this thing for a long time, it's great today because you're gonna see how God's grace is for you no matter where you're at in your life. Today we're going to look at something really that's so central, I believe, to the Christian faith and something that sets Christianity apart from all of their faith systems or religious beliefs, and it's this idea, this concept, this word grace, that God does something for us that we could never do by ourselves. And so I'm excited to look at how we start over, how we hit the reset button in our lives through grace today. Now, have you ever had an awkward moment in your life? You look back in your life and you're like, if I could have a do-over, I would definitely do those things over, maybe reset that. Well, I'd, I'd like to believe personally that I never had any of those moments in my life. But upon further review and photography evidence, there's actually maybe some things that I wish that if I could go back, I'd do it over again. And so we're going to take a look at it really quickly, uh, the history of Trevor's hair. Because God chose my hairdo now. But I was an 80s child. That is me. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've shown that picture before. Some, some people compare me to the kid from Jerry Maguire. I haven't seen Jerry Maguire, but I might look like that kid. Maybe. I don't know. So 80s mullet. Yeah, I rocked that for, for a while. And then in the 90s, I had the oh-so-popular bowl cut. Right? <laughs> You've seen uh, the movie Dumb and Dumber, maybe, where Jim Carrey gets his haircut and they put the bowl on his head and just cut around in a circle. That's literally how that haircut came to be. And I still have that Grant Hill jersey. I wore it uh, this past summer. That's the USA Basketball 96 Dream Team. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then maybe f further along, I could choose. Uh, this is proof that I had hair at one point. I could choose my own haircut. So this is me in high school. Does anyone remember that side of Trevor? Some of you do. Those of you who have been here for a long time. I was greatly influenced by Mick Jagger from The Stones and Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. So that's how, not by their life decisions or choices. I didn't try to emulate my life after what they did, but hairstyle, definitely. So kind of the shaggy from Scooby-Doo look there on the left. 
And on the right, it's some people there compare me to the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. It's kind of the, the haystack haircut. You guys can see that. But I also like to point out on the far left, there's Luther, who played guitar this morning, and he had dreads. And North is there with an eye patch. North and Amanda are missionaries in Papua New Guinea. I'm not sure why he wore an eye patch for a month. I'm still trying to f- figure that one out. But maybe if I could go back, I would redo some things in my past, and maybe you would too. I bet we all have those reset button awkward moments that we'd like another shot at. Maybe, maybe like you've said something before, and even as the words are coming out, you're like reaching up your hands and trying to put them over your mouth or grab the words out of midair and stuff them back in the back of your throat, but it's too late. The words are already out there. You can't do anything about it. You ever wish you had one of these, right? A magical reset button that you just carry around with you for all those awkward moments and seasons and things that you say in your life. Whereas you're talking with someone, you could just go, yep, reset, rewind, back to the top. Not going to ask you if you're pregnant or not. (laughs) No. I mean, I've, I've never done that. That was an analogy for this morning that... If you did do that, you might want a reset button for those moments. But this would be really handy, right, for those awkward moments that we go through in our life, wouldn't it? Think about it. Just think back for for a moment, just different seasons. Maybe think about your job or your career or maybe your lack of career that you're experiencing right now. Do you wish that you had a reset button for that where you could go, you know, if I knew at the early stages of my career what I know now, my life would be completely different. I'd be on a completely different career track. I would have invested in this or I would have gone this direction. I know some people who went to Northwest University with me in Kirkland and they were studying and they got degrees in ministry or business or teaching and 10 years now out of college, they're not even using those degrees. They're in completely different career fields. So maybe You'd want to go back and study something different in college. Do you wish maybe you could reset a different path in your career? Maybe an interview that you wish that you could go back and have another retry at? Maybe, maybe it was a job that you lost due to some decision that you made. You know, if only I could go back and do those things over again. Do you have any of those reset button moments in your life? What about in your relationships? Is there any moments in your relationships that you wish that you could reset? Moments that you wish you could go back and, you know, if I didn't do what I did or said what I said, allowed the relationship to drift the way that it did. Maybe there's someone in your life that really you wish you had never met or never pursued a relationship with them. Do you ever have any of those reset button moments in your life? If we had one of these, it would change our lives dramatically, wouldn't it? Yeah. But what about, what about your relationship with God? Do you have any reset button moments in your life with him? Choices that you made or maybe some things that you don't talk to anyone about, like the person sitting next to you has no idea that that ever happened in your life. Things that you wish you could maybe keep even hidden from God if you just kept managing everything on the service. You, you thought that maybe not even God would know that you did those things. Do you have any of those moments from your story? Seasons of your life where maybe something happened and it created such bitterness and anger toward God that you just decided to give up. You quit on your relationship with him and years and years went by where there was a lack. There was no relationship with God whatsoever and you're just harboring bitterness and anger toward God for such a long time. 
or maybe, maybe paths that you went down and these paths led to choices and these choices went to decisions and actions that led to addictions. And now you have this big addiction in your life and you feel like you're so distant, so separated from God because of your sin and you feel like you can't come into this place of a holy God because of the addiction in your life. Do you have any of those moments that maybe you wish that you could reset? Well, today we're going to talk about what this is, what this is as how God would describe it and how God would define it. Not something that we could go back, right, go back and pretend that those things never happened in our life, but something that God does to redeem these things in our life and gives us as a gift moving forward in our relationship with him. And so we're going to look at something that's so incredibly important and that's really Uh, fundamental, I think, to us understanding what it is to have a relationship with God. And it's really at the heart of what the series is about, and it'll be the heart of what we're looking at today. And I mentioned earlier, it's this concept of grace. And basically, it boils down to one question. Of all the things in your past that you wish that you can undo, but you can't, they've already happened, your career played out the way that it did up to this point, the relationships happened, you said those things already, So the question that you and I have to face in the light that we can't go back and change those things about our story is what do you do about the things in your life that you can do nothing about? Think about that in your story. What do you do about the things in your life that you could do nothing about? Things in your past, you can't go back, you can't change it. What do you do about those things? And maybe we're, it wasn't even things that you did, choices that you made. Maybe it was things that were outside and beyond your control, things that happened to you, something that played out in your family or in a relationship or in your career that you had literally no control over. But still we have to face this question, what do we do about these things in our past that we can't do anything about? So what I want to talk about is what God does, what God does about all the things in our life that we can't do anything about. All the things that we wish we could change, but by our own strength and abilities, we simply can't. We're going to look at what God does and says in and over those dark, difficult parts that we experience in life. And so we're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning that's found in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you brought your Bible, I encourage you to to pull it out. For those of you who are still rocking the paperback, go ahead and grab it. And the, the rest of you can Fire up your app machine. And we're going to look at this concept of grace, how it works, and what what God does for us as a gift. And while you're pulling out your app or your Bible, I'll give you some context here about the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians wasn't written like a book. It was actually written like a letter to a church about 2,000 years ago by an early Christian church leader by the name of Paul. Paul wrote about half of the New Testament. He was a very influential early Christian church leader. And up to Paul's point, up to his point in meeting Jesus, Paul could kind of be defined as a professional religious person. Uh, He made sure that he didn't make any mistakes. He was an example to tons of people who wanted to pursue religion as a way of life. He was like a hero to him. Paul didn't need a reset button because he did everything at his own strength and power. He made sure that he didn't make any mistakes, and any mistakes that he did make, he tried to correct. He tried to make right by himself. And then Paul met Jesus. And his Jesus just wrecked his life, right? It flips his life completely around, 180-degree turn. 
and Paul got saved from religion and entered into a relationship with Jesus, the guy, Paul, the guy who thought it was all on him to do right, finally met the one who could do for him what he couldn't do for himself. And so Paul is writing to the early church here in Ephesus, but Paul is also writing, God is speaking through Paul to us this morning about grace. So we'll start with Ephesians 2, 4, and I'm going to have you read some words back to me this morning. I think what this does is it helps you engage the text a little bit more. Uh, it also helps you from falling asleep this morning, but it helps you engage the text. And if you're like me, like anytime Trevor takes a breath, I'm going to read that word out loud, and you're like anxious about it. I've highlighted the words that we're going to read back, so be calm this morning. Here we go. Paul writes this, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in what? Mercy. mercy. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. And this is something that's so important. And so if you have a paper Bible, maybe circle the word mercy. If you have the app, you could probably only highlight the entire verse, which works too. But before I, I go on, I want us to notice this. I want you to think about what was your view of God today as you came to church? How did you view God? What was the view of God that you had that you grew up with? Or maybe another way to, to phrase this is, what do you think God thinks about you? To Paul, his God used to be the God of a religion, ultimately is rooted in fear. It says, I'm not good enough for God, or God is mad at me, or to keep, off my, keep God off my back, I have to do these certain things in a certain way. And that was Paul before he met Jesus, but now look what he says. He says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in Mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in what? Transgressions. The word transgressions uh, is, could be substituted for the word sin. Another way of saying all of our selfish, dead-end decisions that don't lead to life like we thought they were going to. Paul says in the midst of our sin, dying to our bad choices, dying to our decision, God actually extends and shows us his love and his mercy. And he does it in this way, through this thing called grace. He made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. And then Paul goes on to write these so important words that it is by what? Grace. It is by grace you have been saved. It's not by what you do. It's not about you at all. It's not about what you do. It's what God has done for you. It's not about how many times you say the right prayers at the right time of day, facing the right direction. It's not about how earnest you are or how hard you try or how hard you try to manage and pretend like you're good enough on the outside. Paul says it's not about you. It's not about what you do. It's about what God has done for you because of his love, because of his kindness, because of his mercy, because of his grace that can find you even when you're at the end of yourself. And verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seats us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So Paul is using this metaphor, something that Matt talked about last week and something we celebrated last week, Easter Sunday. The story of Easter is about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul is using this imagery to say, yes, 
You too were dead in your transgressions. You too were dead in your sin, dead in your life. But because of God and because of his love and his mercy and his kindness, he literally not only raises you up, but raises you up and seats you with Jesus in the heavenly realms, with Jesus, the one with whom all people praise and worship and sing and celebrate. That's kind of cool. You get to be seated with Jesus. Paul's saying that your status can be elevated from death to life through God, through his son, Jesus. You're no longer dead. You're no longer just raised up. But you have an identity through Christ. And Paul says that's not it. God does this, verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his what? Of his grace. I love that phrase. The incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you get what Paul's saying to us here? The one who devoted his entire life out of fear of God, out of trying to obey these rules and do these things on his own power, on his own way, says, no, no. It's his love, it's his mercy that has broken me. And it is grace that has raised me back to life and given me a new identity in him. Given me a new life in him. Paul would say, it's not what I did. I spent my whole life trying to do these things. But it's what God did for me. It's about what he did. About all the things that I couldn't do anything about on my own. And then Paul goes on to write these very important, famous words. We've probably gone over the scripture before, so you can double underline or highlight with two colors or draw a hashtag or a winky face or whatever. Make it stand out to you in, in some way. But this is one of those verses that if you're just exploring faith, you're trying to figure out what it is to be a Christian. This is one of those words that you memorize. As the Bible says, you hide this word in your heart because it is so influential and so important that when we face dark, difficult times in our life, that we will, we have verses like this to draw from. This is what Paul writes, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by what? Grace. You have been saved through faith. faith. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Grace, that's what God does for you. That's what God did for you and continues to do for you. You've been saved through faith. And Paul actually turns the spotlight onto us here. He says, here's something now that you do. Faith. That's your part in this. You do faith. Faith is taking what you believe, what the Bible says, as truth, and living in that direction, putting it into action. Faith is taking what I believe and living in the direction of trusting Jesus in my life. Paul says that this is really what it comes down to. By grace you have been saved through faith, through you believing and accepting and living in the direction of God's grace. And Paul goes on to make an important point. And this is not from yourselves. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is a gift. Have you ever been invited to an adult birthday party and expected to bring a gift? It's kind of uncomfortable. I know I'm kind of, this is an analogy that popped in my head. I don't know if it will work. If it doesn't work, I'll delete it from the podcast. So they won't know any difference. But like I get birthday parties for kids. We celebrate them. 
it's like monumental different times of their life where we want to celebrate our children and love our children and give them gifts. But like an adult birthday party we're expecting, maybe this is just like my bitterness. We can all pray for me after the service. Um, but it's like, what, what did you do to deserve a birthday gift when you're an adult? You were born? How much control did you have over being born? I think parents should get gifts, right? They did the work, and then they train and raise their child and spend their own. Parents should be getting gifts. You guys are missing out at birthday parties. But why do we give gifts? We give gifts to, out of love and encouragement, right? This is similar, similar, maybe similar to this. God gives us a gift through his love and mercy. We didn't earn it. It wasn't anything that we did. It's everything about God's love and mercy toward us. Paul says, look, this is so important. God does this for you, and here's what you do. You respond in faith. You say that, God, your grace is good enough for me in my life, and so I respond and I live my life in the direction of grace. All the religion in the world can't outdo what God has already done for you through his grace. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. It's verse 9, it's not by works so that no one can boast. Paul spent most of his life boasting about how religious he was. And then his life gets flipped upside down and enters a relationship with Jesus. And he says to us, no, it's not about those things. It's not about works. It's God's grace, his love that he extends to me. So to get back to our question that I proposed at the beginning, what do we do about the things in our life that we can do nothing about? Answer is simple, really. Nothing. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that you can do because God has already done it for us. He's already done it through Jesus. That's what grace is. Grace is what God does for all the things that I've done. Let that sink in. Grace is what God does for all the things that I've done. Think about your life, the things that you wish you could undo, have a reset button moment on. Grace is what God does for all the things that I've done. The reality of our world is this, and the Bible teaches about it often, that our lives in a very real way are actually separated from God. There's a chasm, a distance from God because of the sin in our lives. And maybe you felt that separation in your life before. We're living at this distance from God. Sin has come in and it's shattered our story. It's broken our relationship with God. And so there's this chasm, this distance. And then what ends up happening is you and I come onto the scene and we throw our own sin into this chasm and it creates a bigger and bigger gap. I add my own selfish decisions, my own transgressions, my own sin, and this chasm continues to grow and furthers the distance between me and God. I contribute enough of myself, add enough of myself to the story that keeps me at a distance from a holy, loving, and pure God. And then... I have a moment, and maybe you've experienced a moment like this of clarity, where you just stand at the end, at the edge of that chasm, and you look out into the distance, and you, you're just broken. You're like, what have I done? What have I done? I've broken the heart of God. I've lived at this, this distance from God because of my choices. And then you and I have a very real choice to make once we come to that realization. There's two different options that we have. We can either lean into God's grace, 
lean into God's grace, what he's done for us, or we could try to get across that chasm on our own. And listen, this is what I've found in my life. Whenever I try to outdo the things that I've done wrong or right my wrongs myself or do something on my own strength and power, that distance just grows. That distance between me and God just continues to grow. I remember Pastor John tells this analogy often about like standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon, and that's the sin that separates us from God. God's on one side, we're on the other. Sure, some of us can run and jump out further than someone else, right? But you're not getting across the Grand Canyon by jumping, no matter who you are. But that's where grace steps in. And God says, no, I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Jesus said, I will bridge the gap. My death and my resurrection are enough to do it. God says, that's what I do. That's what grace does. It bridges the gap between us and God and makes that relationship with him possible. That's grace. Grace is what covers and forgives every sin. Think about that. Every sin. No, every sin. Grace is what covers and forgives every sin. It doesn't matter how big. It doesn't matter how small, how long ago. Maybe you've been carrying this on your back for years and years, and you're just being crunched by the weight of this. It doesn't matter how recent. Last night, this morning, grace is what covers and forgives every sin. Maybe you walked in this morning and you would say, you know, I'm not good at a lot of things. There are very few things that I feel very accomplished at. But one thing that I am very good at is sinning. I'm I'm really good at making dumb decisions and bad choices. In fact, if there was an NFL draft this coming weekend for sinners, I'm projected to go number one overall. You know I had to throw at least one football joke in. Come on. Listen, grace is not only for forgiveness, but there's also freedom in grace. We sang it this morning. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You laid down your life so that I might be set free. Do you believe that as you sang it this morning? There's another uh, letter that Paul wrote, um, Romans chapter 8. I'll read this. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law and the spirit who give who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Do you see that? That's what grace does for you. Grace steps in even in your darkest, most difficult hours. Grace is what can get you through when you're at the end of your rope. During your most difficult times, grace is what can carry you and give you strength. When someone that you love dies, grace can be the only thing that gets you through to that next day. When a dream that you have dies, grace can be your strength. When someone you love walks out on you, grace is enough to help you get through. When one more person gets married and it's not you, or another couple is able to start a family and it's not you, Grace 
can get you through. It's God's grace. It's the only thing. When your loneliness is overwhelming, when there's health issues or things that you're battling in your life, you don't know where they came from. It's only grace that can get you through. Grace is what sits with you in your darkest, most difficult hours. That's grace. It's God's grace. So is there anything that you can do that can outdo that? By your own strength and power, is there anything that you can do that outdoes what grace has already done for you? And grace not only has the power to forgive you, but grace gives you the strength to forgive other people. That's the side of grace we sometimes forget about, don't we? It's funny that we forget that there's two sides of grace. We say, yeah, grace is good enough for me, and God, I accept your grace. But I'm a little, a little iffy on if your grace should be extended to those people in my life. I love the fact that God forgives me, but maybe not him, maybe not her. But no, grace says, I not only forgive you, but I give you the, the courage to forgive other people in your life. Grace is the thread that can bind a relationship back together when it's on its last thread. Grace gives you the courage to fight for a relationship that's on the ropes. Listen, is there anything that you can do that outdoes that? That outdoes what grace does for you? Do you know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches that grace not only has the power to go into your past and not only forgive, but also to restore and heal the broken parts of your story that you'd rather forget. I mean, grace is, is retroactive. Grace goes back into your story. The broken parts, the wasted years, the one night stands. Grace goes back into your story. Things that you've tried to move on from by your own strength, but you've been carrying this thing for your whole entire life. You've been weighed down by the sins of your past, that your future is being hijacked in this present moment. God says, I can go in. I can forgive those things. I can heal those things from 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Things that you've been holding on for so long. Can you outdo anything that grace does for you? Sometimes we think grace is just for the past. Grace was just for that moment of salvation. I needed grace in my life back then. I uh, came into a relationship with Jesus when I had the mullet. Um, I was about seven years old, and it was at our junior camp, our Northwest District Open Bible kind of kids camp at Camp Miller, Sylvania, down outside of Lacey. I remember it was a hot day, it was like 90-something degrees, and so it was too hot to do the service inside, so we did the outside on the back dust patio, and we had to sit on these uh, light blue painted, incredibly hard wooden benches, and it, the sun was beaming on us, and the dust was everywhere, and you can imagine like seven-year-olds, it was crazy, but that was the moment that I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I thought, you know, I really... I heard the message, and I really need to respond. I really want that for my life. I really want to have a relationship with Jesus, and I want forgiveness for my sins from, you know, a seven-year-old stealing Legos and being mean to my sister and things like that. And maybe you think back in your story, your moment of salvation, you're like, yeah, I needed grace 
for that moment in my life, forgiveness for that moment. But you know what I realize? The more that I figure out more about myself and the more that I read the scripture and it speaks to my heart and it unveils the sins in my heart, I need grace more today maybe than I did back then. Maybe you're like that too. Grace isn't just a way back then moment decision, but grace is for today. Grace is for tomorrow. Grace is for your future. I want to end with this thought this morning, kind of begin to wrap up. There's a very real question that you and I must face when we encounter the knowledge of this grace that God has given to us freely. At some point, we all need to ask this question of ourselves. In the light of what we have heard today, in light of what God has done, is what do you do about what God has done for you? How do you respond? What do you do about what God has done for you? What do you do about a God who says, I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself? How do we respond? Well, we talked about it already. Paul says, here's how. You say, by faith I believe, and my response is to live in the direction of grace. I believe, God, that your grace is enough. There's nothing that can outdo what your grace does for me. And so by faith, I'm not only going to believe it and say yes, that that's a true thing, but God, I'm going to say it's the only thing. There's a God who loves me and has already extended his love and mercy to me through his son, Jesus. That's the root, that's the heart of grace, and that through him and by him, what he's done, no matter how far I've gone, no matter what I've done, I could reset my life today through his grace. And so I respond in faith. I respond in faith. By believing grace is the hope of my salvation, I respond in faith by taking the word of God and putting it into action in my life. I respond in faith by living in the direction of trusting Jesus and allowing worship to be my response for God and his great grace in my life. I want to close this morning with, with a word of prayer, and I want to pray for some, some different people that are here this morning. Not in particular, I'm not thinking, I'm not going to call you out. But different kinds of people this morning, because we covered kind of a wide variety about grace. So I want to pray for those of you who, there's something in your past that you've been holding on to for a long time, that you need freedom from. I'm going to pray for God's grace to meet you today. And I pray for those of you who had a relationship in their life where it's been hard for you to extend grace to someone I want to pray for you as well. And for those who just, life is hard, man. Life is difficult sometimes. And we just need grace for today, grace to get through, grace for tomorrow, grace for this week. I want to pray for you as well. So will you join me in prayer this morning? Lord, you are so amazing. You are so good to us. I thank you so much for your kindness, God, for your love and mercy, which extends to us this morning, no matter where we were at, no matter what garbage we walked in with today, God. 
And so I pray for my friends this morning. I pray for those of them who have had something in their past, God, a sin, an addiction, Lord, something that's weighed on their heart for so much time and they haven't handed it over to you yet. God, I just pray that that would be replaced with your grace this morning. God, you say that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Father, you say to cast our cares upon you, Father. And so we do that this morning by faith, Lord. We hand those over to you and just ask for your grace to overflow in those people's lives. Lord, and we pray for those who are holding on to bitterness, to anger. Someone has wronged them, God. Something is, has happened, and so there's only bitterness and anger, maybe even hatred, Father, towards certain people in our life that we're clinching on to that so tight. God, we haven't allowed anyone else, not even you, to speak into that area of our life, Lord. And so through faith this morning, God, through faith, we begin to release that, to undo our grip, to open up our hands and give that up to you this morning, God. And may that bitterness that we have, that anger, that hatred even, God, be replaced with your love and mercy and grace. Father, may that flow not only in us, but through us. God, help us to grow in that. And Lord, for those who just, life has been difficult, they've been beaten up this past week, there's a lot of things going on, Father. I just pray for grace for today, God, that your, your grace would meet us for today. Lord, that our response through faith would just be to trust in you, though we may not know the whole picture or everything surrounding the circumstances and situations, God. We acknowledge that you are God and that you are good. And so God, give us grace in those areas as well. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.